Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness, the ultimate destination to explore the integral connection between kinky wellness and your personal development. I'm your host and kinky wellness coach, Dana Shergill, and each Monday, I bring on a special guest to dive into specific aspects of kinky wellness. From unconventional practices to thought-provoking conversations, I'm here to break down barriers and redefine the boundaries of wellness and pleasure. Don't forget to join me for my solo shows on Wednesdays, where I explore even further into the multifaceted layers of kinky wellness. So let's strip away the shame and taboo together and have an open conversation about it. Hey, and welcome back. Today, we welcome sex-positive relationship designer and overall amazing person, Kareen Bedard. From Bible Camp graduate to Playboy enthusiast, Kareen is here to share her story of how she broke free from religious and social programming and how we can too. Kareen is also going to let us know a little bit more about what a sex positive relationship designer is. So let's jump right into it and welcome Kareen to the show. Welcome to the show, Kareen. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. And I guess my first question for you is what is a sex positive relationship designer? I'm so happy you asked that because a lot of people ask that. They're like, what the hell is a relationship designer? So I think of it as, well, we think nothing about redesigning our homes, right? So we move in, we like the house a few years later, we're like, oh, I'd like to change some things around or whatever. And nobody judges us for that. But when you get in a relationship, it's like, you have to stay with the same design that you started with. Maybe it was 20 years ago. And the expectation in our culture is that you have to stick with that design or there's something wrong with you or you're not committed enough or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm not the same as I was when I was 22 and got married as a virgin and all the, you know, I was very Christian. We'll get into that. Um, And so I want people to... to to let go of the shame and guilt of like let's redesign a relationship if if it needs redesigning like maybe we need to pick new colors maybe there's a fresher palette that you want maybe there's a new style or design that suits you better maybe you want an open concept maybe you like the closed concept or the classic style it depends and with a designer you get to go through these questions right you get to say okay uh, what's your style? What do you like? What do you want to use the space for? What do you want to do with it? What um, do you want to have a lot of people over? Do you want to host parties? Do you want to host dinner parties? Do you want intimate spaces where you can be alone and be quiet and have like, what is it that you want to use your space for? You have to have these conversations before a designer is going to give you a design, right? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. work with the designer to figure that out. That's what I do, but relationship wise. So I talk about the spectrum. Uh, like if you want to talk about like the color palette or the styles, like it's a spectrum of like, if you, you want to be monogamous or there's a whole spectrum all the way to polyamorous, if that's more your style, you know, more open concept, if you will. And then you get to choose a color palette that works for you and, you know, design structures and new like um, renegotiating the terms and renegotiating things. That's all possible to do, but nobody does that. So that's what I do. 
That's actually a wonderful concept in the sense that we can redesign our relationships mm-hmm. after a while. I think this is preventing it from being stale because yeah. when we get bored or things have been in a routine, we do need to change it up. A relationship is a good point to that. Well, and Esther Perel, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Oh, yeah. But I love Esther Perel. And like what clicked for me like years ago when I, I went through this whole transition and journey, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but um, she said, you know, the erotic and comfort cannot live in the same space. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that is so good. Because like if I'm sitting on the couch chilling out watching a movie with my with my man, um, which I don't even like to say my man, but it just came out. But with my partner and, uh, you know, my friend. I'm in that sort of comfort friend zone. I'm safe. I'm like, it's just, I'm chilled and I might have a onesie on and just cuddled in, you know, maybe I'm in my little girl, um, little girl daddy mode, you know, like I just, I get to like chill, but that's not necessarily erotic, right? Like I'm so comfortable. We have that side, but that's not going to bring on like passionate erotic sex. It's true because like comfortness, I love Esther Perel, by the way, because she also brings in BDSM and kink. She has a She's technique. So open. She is open and she her. brings in um, a collared technique. So she has like partners, leashes them, and then it's about control and command and like leading and stuff like mm. that. And she doesn't actually use the words BDSM and kink, but obviously on this side of the pond, we're like, mm-hmm. that is so BDSM and kink right there. Like you're playing within it. And it's just, again, like those labels that can take people away from it but we need to encourage these type of things well she also doesn't use like she's not she's not encouraging non-monogamy like she doesn't say it that way but she does say okay like you in order to um invoke the erotic in your relationship basically what i say is you need novelty in your relationship and her version of that is like you need space from your partner you need to be at a place where you can observe them in their element because that's how you fell in love with them. That's where the erotic energy came from is you got to see them being them. Mm-hmm. But now you get together and you're like enmeshed. You know, this is how our relationship structures uh, teaches us is right, right? Like we're supposed to come together as two um, half people, <laughs> We come together and we're whole and now we've lost our identity because our identity is in in the oneness. And this was a very religious way of, of, of seeing relationships, right? We come together and now we're one, which is a kind of a nice romantic concept. But like, where's the line between who I am and where you start? We've I lost who I was, right, in my 23 years of marriage. And so she says, when you come together... If you lose that separateness, if you lose that individuality, you kind of lose track of of who it was that that drew that erotic energy out of you. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, I'm a musician. So if my partner never sees me playing music in my element and where I'm really passionate has nothing to do with him, he just gets to see me in my element and I'm like on fire alive in that element. And he's like, oh, that's that's my girl, you know, like that. I love that side of her. And and if he had to be there with me, if I had to do it with him, it would look different. I would like pick different music. I would do things that that 
because he doesn't like the he doesn't like Broadway like I do. I light up when I'm singing and playing Broadway or teaching it or accompanying for it, right? Like that's my jam, um, among other things. But him, it, it's like more a, a different style of music, which does not light me up. But I'm glad to play it for him, and he enjoys it and loves to sit on the couch. But that's a different a different eroticism. Like that's not me coming out of the woodwork, right? Mm-hmm. So for him to come watch me at a gig doing the thing that I love, not the gig that's for him, he gets to see that side of me and be like, mm, that I want to take that girl home at the end of the night because like that's the girl I grew to attract. So um, I say that because that clicked something for me when I heard Esther say that because I was really investigating the lifestyle or swinging at the time, right? And the non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy was so new to me because like I was, uh, you'll hear my story. I, I was like, what? Married people are having sex with other married people? Like what? How does, what? <laughs> I didn't even fathom it. But the part that kind of made me go, oh, I see how this can be beneficial was that same concept. So like when we go to the club, for instance, and you've seen it, yeah, we did that vendor fair together, right? So you've seen that. So there's the erotic energy where I can make out with other people and I'm dancing with other people and he's doing his thing and I'm watching him dance from afar and I'm like, oh, he's so attractive when he dances. I'm like, I want to sink my teeth in. <laughs> but um he's watching me like lit up and like passionate. Cause I just had a really good kiss with someone or I'm flirting and I'm like being me. And then we're like, Oh, we want to come together and we want to take that erotic energy and run with it. And we literally sometimes will run to the back and take that out on each other and have a fabulous time. And it's like, we don't have that kind of energy at home. Mm. That's not, the vibe at home we don't we get the comfortable side the living together the like you know day-to-day kind of thing um and i think it's really important for people to recognize that like if you're just in your home it's not the same as when you have company over when you're hosting a party or whatever there's a different energy and you see each other in your you know maybe in in your best light if you're smart and you give each other the right jobs right yeah. if you give each other the right task you'll see each other sort of in your maybe one's the mingler and someone is is like the you know the list person and has all the the food together or whatever like if you switch those roles you're not going to be at your best and you're not going to be you're just going to be frustrated right so i think part of this design process for me is like figuring out like who are you at your core? What do you deeply desire? And get rid of shame and guilt about those things because you cannot move forward. You can't, if you're afraid to say, I like red. I like the color red in a dining room. If you're afraid you're going to be judged for that, you're not going to speak up to the designer and you're going to be like, oh no, you know, like beige is great. I love that. I, but well, really, you're like, I want red. 
Well, yeah. And it's about finding your voice as what you've mentioned, but also like having the confidence to say it. And sometimes we do need that extra help to help us because we're nervous to tell our partner. But if we Mm -hmm. bring in a designer or a coach, we're kind of, we have that buffer to bounce it off of someone to help us guide it. And I think that people really should use these resources to their benefit. That's why you're there is Mm -hmm. to help people. But you sound like you've had quite a journey in the last uh, few years of your life of how you went from your history with the church to where you are now. So do you mind going back and I guess giving us a timeline of where all this came to be? Absolutely. So about 10 years ago, um, I was married for like 15 years at that point. So my story, if you look, if you go to my podcast and listen to the first episode, it's called Bible school graduate turned playboy enthusiast. <laughs> I love your titles. <laughs> I'll just let that sink in for a second. Okay. So I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Okay. And it was a very, I mean, we signed a contract, that no drinking, right? Like that's how. Oh wow! Directed what like drinking was not allowed, and I remember like the last the last week just before graduation, like we technically were done school. <laughs> my my ex husband and I went to TGI Fridays, <laughs> and I ordered a fuzzy navel, <laughs> and he ordered some other drink, but like it was like magical because we hadn't ever ordered a drink at a restaurant while being married because we got married while we were in bible school like do you know what i mean like it was like this is how this is how this this girl who does what she does that was my life like i'm trying to picture that version of her because that's definitely not the version i know now (laughs) so leah that was like 26 years ago right that i was that girl and so that changes what your version of relationships looks like right like so I got married at 22 we were both virgins and I had saved myself for marriage like that was the most important thing which Mm. is so ludicrous if you think about it I mean it's it's there's nothing wrong with that but like when that becomes kind of the most important factor kind of in a relationship you're missing a lot of other things. Like the fact that um, him and I never had easy flowing conversations. Well, you've had many conversations with me. I have a freaking podcast. I don't have trouble having conversations with people. I never have. It's always been something that's come easily. And every time I was around this man, who I love dearly, every time I was around this man, it's like my, my throat chakra was blocked. I didn't know how to have a conversation it was just like uh, 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 Mm. dead air in between like we didn't flow together at all extremely brilliant man I respected him so much Um, but we never had that kind of connection and we never had I never had that soft place to fall with him either but like in my woundedness at the time right like our our trauma wounds our attachment wounds I'm gonna say affect so much um and and even if we don't have like major wounds um our attachment styles are so based on kind of maybe the programming that our parents have told us so like my mom led me to believe like don't marry someone like your dad and so I ended up marrying someone more like her which I'm actually so much more like my dad and someone like my dad who is Steve (laughs) my dad is so 
Oh yeah, Steve is so much like my dad. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but I always had so much fun with my dad. He was like a real just he's jokes around and and he's very I don't know, just a lot of things that that I appreciated about my, my dad, but because their relationship was always kind of in a fight and they didn't understand each other. Like I swore that I would never have a relationship like that. So I did everything in my power as I was growing up, like in high school, my fun reading was psychology books about relationships. Like I didn't read fiction. I certainly didn't read romance novels. Do you know what I mean? I read relationship books so that I would not make the same mistake as my parents. So my goal in life, (laughs) get this, was to have the best, to prove that a good Christian relationship could exist, a good Christian marriage Mm. could exist. So you can imagine my devastation 10 years ago when one February night he dropped the bomb on me that he no longer believed. Mm. He had gone through a two-year process of deconversion of his faith researching his faith and trying to get answer questions and things like that and that's a whole other podcast um I do have podcasts on that kind of thing but that was so devastating to me and you know what's so interesting is as devastated as I was in in my just like my grief and and just depression over like oh I made all the right decisions with this man do you know what I mean like I I chose someone this was 15 years in I chose someone who was full of integrity who was a good leader and the head of the house and I was the neck you know like I I was happy to just kind of step back and 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 go with his spiritual leadership well, now he was not going to be that spiritual leadership. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do or how this was going to work. But the thing, the first thing I thought of was, what are we going to tell the girls about sex? Oh, really? Like I was so devastated that we weren't going to be on the same page about our girls. And I thought, oh no, he's going to tell them they can have sex before they're married. That was the first, like in the same, all this grief in the same night, I grieved and cried about that. That's heavy influence then. Just like heavy, heavy. Like first thing that comes up is just like, what about the sex conversation? Right. And, and it just showed me now, like looking back how morality and purity are so intertwined in, in the evangelical faith. Mm. And you look at the purity movement and that was kind of one of the, I, I couldn't ignore what he had said, right? So I didn't agree with him, but everything he had said made so much sense that I couldn't ignore it. And I respected this man, like he's brilliant, right? He doesn't just make decisions just, he's not a rebel. He's just not. Even if he wanted to be, he's not, right? So he's not, he wasn't changing his mind because he wanted freedom to like have sex or do things, right? That's not him. So all of a sudden I was like, I am left with a choice. Either I sit here and go well I'm never rethinking my faith like I had always done um or uh, there's some validity to what he said and I'm going to investigate that and so I felt so like isolated and alone because in in the church in this denomination for instance you don't you don't talk about your doubt 
I never had doubt. Like I was a church piano since I was 13. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like heavy. I led women's Bible studies and, and, you know, parenting things. Like I just, I was the knowledge. I was the wisdom. I knew the things. And I, now all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> so much shame. Now my husband doesn't believe I'm the worship leader. How am I going to like even show up and be like, I'm going to be looked down upon that my marriage is falling. Like it was all that, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so tied in together. And it's like, I could still be me. I could sell my own identity, but my identity was so intertwined and I was so enmeshed and so codependent in that model of relationship that I couldn't even see an out of, of how I would live my own life within this structure. I mean, all it was is that we didn't believe the same thing anymore. Like, that's mm -hmm. not that big a deal, but it was everything. And it was the most devastating thing to me. So how did you get on to Playboy then? Listening <laughs> to Playboy Radio. Then. Okay, so that's a great. So because I decided I was going to investigate because I couldn't ignore what he said, I was like, okay, we have Playboy Radio right now because we had a serious radio subscription. And Playboy was, was one of the stations at the time. And... <laughs> I was like, okay, I've been taught that those sex people, I mean, first of all, the world has no joy without, you can't love without Christ, the quote unquote world. So everybody outside of the church, outside of my particular denomination, even, right? Like that's how I didn't even think Catholics were Christian. That's how, yeah. Okay. People like, oh, I grew up Christian too. I'm Catholic. And I was like, oh no, no, you don't understand. I didn't even think you were Catholic or you were Christian. There's a lot of like clicks, I want to say, oh, like between yeah. it. But you don't see it because like I had the truth. The Catholics didn't. They like had to work for their salvation. I just, mine was just grace. I just was loved and accepted. Anyways, that's a whole different train. Mm -hmm. We're not going to take that train. Um, let me back it up a second. What was I saying about? Um, How'd you get to Playboy Radio? Oh, right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the the world's such a devastated place, right? Like nobody can have joy. So then I was like, well, those sex people are the worst of the worst. So I'm going to go directly to the worst of the worst and find out if what I've been taught is correct. Because he was more of like a the universe, the stars, like all the, like all that stuff, the cos cosmology and all that, like that was kind of where his journey started. And he was like, wait a second. Uh, the Bible says that the earth is only 6,000 years old, but uh, the stars are like millions of light years away and we can see them. Like someone's lying. <laughs> Either they're that old or God is lying and trying to get us to believe this or he faked it to make it look like it's an old universe, but it's actually young. And they're just, that was his process. It was like, whoa, that doesn't add up. What am I to do with that? My process was, all right, I need to find out if everything I've been taught is actually true. So I need to find out if those people out in the world that I'm now married to, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm married to someone from the world because he was not a believer anymore, right? So is that what you would... I guess in your religion, yeah. call people outside the world. Yeah, yeah, and the okay. world has no joy. So that's yeah. why you're you don't want to leave the church because you. This is the only place you can have love and joy. Oh okay? wow! This is how they keep you in, keep you in. It's part of the control, but nobody sees it that way. Like we certainly didn't think of it as control. It's just like I believed I had the truth, and I was the only one with. Our, we were the only ones with the truth. So our job is to share that truth and make sure everybody else believes it too. 
or they're just lost and they're never going to have joy in their lives. Like I did. Cause I was so joyful. <laughs> right. Okay. It's a big lie. We just don't see it because you believe what you're told, right? Like you, your story is the one that wins. So anyways, so I started listening to Playboy Radio because they were, of course, the worst of the worst. And as I was listening to Playboy Radio, I found my people. I was like, oh, my God, I love these people. Like, there's no masks. They're authentic. They actually love very deeply. They love themselves. They have so much respect for themselves because I was taught that those sex people have no self-respect, right? That's why they do that. Mm. They have no self-respect. And I was like, uh, no, they have more respect than what I've seen in like the people in the church that I know. And they're intelligent. They can carry a conversation that's not about the weather or how much they know the Bible. I don't know. It was just like such a real environment. And then I discovered Swing with Michael and Holly. And it was a show about the lifestyle or swinging. And I was like, married people are having sex with other married people? Like, I worked really hard to stay a virgin. And my my ex-husband as well was also a virgin, which was so rare. But we had done it. You know, we had worked. Because sex is the glue that holds a relationship together. If you had sex with someone else, it's like ripping tape off and it's going to get less sticky each time. This is what I taught was taught. And I absolutely believe that. But what I was hearing is that these people were closer in their relationship because they were getting to experience the joy of watching their partner experience things that brought them joy. And I was like, oh, what? So she was ex-Mormon too, right? And she had been married, and but she was bi. And all of a sudden she could explore her bisexuality. And it was like, oh, like this was very exciting for both of them. And they absolutely got joy out of that. And I thought, well, that's not what I've been taught. What else have I been taught that's actually not true? And so it led me... It gave me the ability to doubt and question, which mm-hmm. was so not allowed. And I did a podcast on Sunday night and I said, or sorry, Monday night. And and what I was saying is that I like to use this box analogy, right? I was in this box. Like when you have a belief system or a, a programming, you're stuck in a certain box. And unless you're willing to break down the box or step out of the box, you're going to just be in that box. You don't see anything else. You don't know anything else necessarily. So I would literally, the visualization I had was like, I'd step out of the box and I'd peer in from outside the box. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy shit. Like this Christian stuff, like they're weird and they don't see it. And then I'd be like, (gasps) and I'd jump back in the box and I'd be like, okay, I didn't die. God didn't smite me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, that was my process is I'd step out and I'd look in and I started listening to like the the Thinking Atheist podcast because he was a born again Christian and he was a radio announcer, like a radio, he did a radio show with music, Christian music or whatever. And so I re- related to him because 
he was a musician. He was into music. He was, you know, but then he deconverted as well. And I, first of all, that word I didn't even know existed. I was like, why would you deconvert when you have the truth? Like, how would you even, why? Mm-hmm. You have the truth. You know, you're going to heaven. You know that everything's fine. Why would you ever question that? But I was at a crossroads. Like I had to know because here was this man I respected and that I'd been married to for 15 years. And now he didn't believe why not? Like what, what led to that? I had to understand because I, I, I'm an intellectual too. Like I'm not just going to blindly follow something. And all of a sudden I recognized that perhaps I was just blindly following. And you, know? you weren't able to question it. Sounds like a lot of things were just, you just have to take this as fact, as reality. Yeah, because it's presented as this beautiful truth, right? It's presented as you're stupid if you think anything else. Like, mm. like- evolution i mean i remember failing the evolution um failing close to failing in in grade 13 when i did um oec biology and this this chapter on on evolution i was like this is stupid i don't need to learn this this is dumb it's not even real and i didn't even study it i didn't and i was really good at biology like my biology teacher was really mad at me when i went into music because he's like what you should do biology but i i just disregarded that like it Mm. wasn't really science because that's what i'd been taught so what has been like the biggest thing since changing out of it? And because your story, I believe a lot of people can relate. There's a lot of religious, you know, religion <clears throat> is everywhere still. Mm-hmm. And it really is empowering someone to think, is this the right thing for me? Is this working for me? Right. Well, and I think for me, it was all or nothing, right? It's like, I couldn't leave this precious Bible that to me, every word was the word of God. Like every single word had no flaws. It was not wrong at all so it was like my guy just believed everything in it so for me to walk away I couldn't unless I could sort of prove that that not every word of that book was was true and accurate and so I had to have a bit of a breakdown of of those things and so the more I studied the more I listened the more I found evidence that things didn't quite add up. I was able to step away and and look in and realize how crazy that is and that it's really just me believing other uh, what other men have said about the Bible, right? Like like you can't you can't prove something from within something. Like I can't say I know every well I, I could say it. I know everything because I am the authority. And you just have to believe me because I'm the authority and I'm saying that and now that makes me the authority and so now you have to believe it. That's circular reasoning. Like, that doesn't prove anything, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm still, still me saying that I'm the authority. You need, like, someone else also saying that you're, the, right? Like, so this book was saying that it is the authority based on it saying it was the authority. Well, I know that there's other religions like and they don't say anything about sex. So I feel like sometimes there's this like some religions will be like, you can't have sex before marriage. And then some don't. But the ones that say like, oh, don't have sex or it's like almost like don't look at your body. Don't look at it. So let's say so initially, like women and children were property. Right. So men could have as many wives as they wanted because you could still keep track of your property because whoever's bearing your children is your property, 
so it was a contractual thing. It wasn't necessarily love or anything. But in that, in order to get women to agree to this system kind of thing, you had to start to shame sexuality, right? Like, like you are now a filthy rag or used goods if you go and have sex with someone else and now you're not marriable. Now you're not worthy even as property. Mm. You're no longer valuable. So now you've got... The women can still be in line and and you can keep track of things, right? Because we didn't have DNA testing back then and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how that started. But then this, the religious part came and started, that shame became like a way to control us. Like if, if this thing that we all desire, we all are sexual beings in some way, shape or form, take the one thing that everybody has a desire for and make that wrong. Now people are going to be like, Oh, I now there's shame and guilt attached, and now I need forgiveness, and now I need to be restored, right? Like, and so you've got this cycle of like, a, as we kept going, um, sexuality is so shameful, and you you now are more pure if you don't have sexual desires, you know, and it's it, like priests are regarded as as you know, they've taken this vow of purity kind of thing and nuns too, but like that doesn't take away your desire. And that's why there's so much shit happening with like kids and stuff and, and priests, because this illusion that you are better because you don't have any sexual desires is so ridiculous, but it's a way to control a population. Yeah. I believe I will definitely believe like it's when you control someone's sex or you try to dim it or you try to say it's not there like but we're all it's going to come out because it's built within us like it's right. literally there and and then it comes out in negative ways right because it's a shameful thing so I talk a lot about like let's get rid of the shame and guilt because that was like my process so so listening to playboy radio help me to recognize sex positivity. Like I had never heard of that. And so to me, sex positivity set me free because now I had this, this play, like I could put away the shame and guilt about my own sexuality, my own desires, other people's desires, other people, how they show up, what they like, if they like kink or not, you know, like before it was a mental illness if you liked kink, right? Something's wrong with you. You have to be fixed because why would you want that? Now it's like, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. Maybe you had trauma that led to that. However, if that brings you joy and it's not hurting other people, then why do I need to get involved in, in the judgment of you? And so I, I learned that through sex positivity. So my little tagline in my podcast is when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key because we can swing to that other pendulum, right? Which I'm very much against. I'm not just going to go to the other side just to rebel. Like when I left my faith, it was very conscious. I rebuilt my worldview block by block kind of thing, you know? And I reevaluated every piece, every brick, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, does that fit? Does that stay? Is that hurting people? Is that valid? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. That one's going to stay and be part of my worldview. And that's how I built it. And I rebuilt my worldview, which was a long, arduous process, which is why I want to help people now to cut that process in half, right? Because I had to learn all about sex positivity on my own. I had to break down like, 
how did that work with my my religious beliefs? How did that affect that? Oh, that led to that and that's connected to that. And that's why I have so much shame about that. I It just opened my eyes to all that. So now I can work with people and go, oh, that's rooted in shame. Oh, that's part of your programming. That's at the subconscious level. Let's shift that because that's going to hold you back. There is no shame in that. And when you start with no shame, everything opens up. But we are we are controlled as a society through shame and guilt. Yes. And I think that shame is one of those things that we don't talk about as much. Like we talk about so many other emotions and things going on, like anger, sadness, grief, but shame is just one of those ones that fall at the bottom. And again, I think it comes down to, I think uh, some people, but like up there in their powerful state, they don't want to talk about shame because when people start to heal themselves from that, there will be a conscious shift. Yes, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I saw this book this week. I need to remember what that was called, but it's like kind of not like the hierarchy of needs, but it's like the the hierarchy of of emotions kind of thing. And like shame was at the very bottom and enlightenment was at the top. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was like shame, guilt, blame, blah, 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 blah. Like, and, and it was saying how like, shame leads to this reaction and this and and, the, and then shame leads to guilt and guilt leads to this and this and this and then we lead to blame and blah 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 and it was just like this progression it was like so interesting because i say all the time in my work i'm like i say it, any conversation with people i'm like at the root of that is shame like well, like if you if you if you pare it down if you pick it apart the reason you have trouble asking that question is because you're attached to the outcome, for instance. You're attached to the outcome, but you're attached to the outcome because that outcome will somehow validate you and make you feel worthy. Why? Because somewhere in there, you have shame about what it is that you actually want. So you're afraid to ask it in just an authentic way where it doesn't matter what the outcome is because your worth is is based in the response because you have shame about what it is that you want. So if someone responds favorably, favorably, then you don't have to feel shame about it so much anymore. But if they don't respond favorably, then the shame is like drilled in like, oh, I shouldn't actually have thought that. I shouldn't have actually wanted that person to have sex with them, you know? And I shouldn't have asked, I shouldn't have asked. And see, something's wrong with me and now I feel rejected. Well, it sounds like a lot of this too is like a fear that we will be alone on the mm-hmm. outside of this box, the, yes. the church or wherever there are support system. And, you know, I just want to remind people, we have people like you, we have people like me, we are here waiting. We will be here if you want to step out of that box, just to even ask questions, mm-hmm. just to even see no one, like just to, if you have a question, it's uh then ask it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like the big thing is we all want to belong, right? Mm-hmm. So like the church is a place of belonging for a lot of people. They've never felt like they belonged anywhere and they feel, but you are taught in the church that there is no other place of belonging. But what I found is that I, when I found my community, my people, oh my God, I could be myself and I could be myself at any point with these people and belong no matter what. And that is freedom right there to, to find a community of like-minded people, you know, like 
those who play D and D, they they connect because they have the same. They're not laughed at for liking D and D and and you know obsessing about a twenty sided dice. Like they think that's so cool, right? They all think it's cool and they enjoy it so much. My son's in that in that world as well, right? And um, there's no shame about it. But you talk to an outsider who doesn't understand D and D. They're like, what? What's the big deal? Like, why do you play this stupid like dragon game, Dungeons and Dragons? Like that doesn't even make sense. And then those people, if they listen to them, they will pull back in shame and go, ooh, maybe that's weird. Maybe I shouldn't do that or whatever. And I'm only saying that like the Dungeons and Dragons because it's not associated with sex, right? But we have this same reaction to anything that is outside of the box, outside of the norm. You've got to find your community. And when you finally, without shame, accept that you are you, and you are valid and your desires, thoughts, and emotions are valid no matter what. And you don't have to have shame about them. Now you can step out of your box and be like, I don't care if you agree with my box or not, because I'm still me. And there's like nothing to be ashamed of. So when you become sex positive and you really like internalize that, you show up in the world in a different way. Even though my whole family or my parents are very, very Christian still and like they cannot understand. And if they understood everything that I do, they would just be appalled because it's so far from what they believe to be right and okay. And I'm completely lost, but like I'm way happier than them. That doesn't make sense to them either because they think I just rebelled or that I hate God. And I'm like, how do I, how do I hate God? Like, I just don't believe, like, I don't hate anyone. Like, actually I love people way more now that I don't have, they don't have to agree with me anymore. (laughs) Well, I think that's a big thing too, is that we need to learn to agree to disagree, which is a concept that we've moved so, so far from. We don't need to agree with everything, even within the, the kink, community you could say like you don't have to agree with everything but just move along you don't have to turn it into an argument or a fight or some sort of like energy wasting taking thing yeah like I'm not the same as you you know (laughs) I I I mean we we look like we could be similar you know (laughs) we both look like the girl next door but um you like things that I don't like you know like spanking I'm not into that um maybe lightly but I don't derive pleasure like you do from that I would much rather be tickled or oh I see I can't stand that I'm like oh my gosh like I love that (laughs) so so it's just interesting so like we're not gonna agree on that because we don't react the same way so why spend or waste the energy trying to prove our points about having to agree on that and be like, oh, well, that's great for you. And that's great for you. And oh, oh, you like black tea? Oh, you like herbal tea and you don't want black tea? Oh, so it's not a rejection if you don't accept my black tea when I offer it to you? Yeah, I think you like herbal too. tea. Oh, oh, okay. So you're an herbal tea girl. You know, like it's not me that is not pleasing to you it's that that just not your preference and I think we just need to start to like step back and go why are we so tied to our stories Mm. because our stories are so based in shame and our worth lies in the acceptance of other people accepting our story because we've made our story so entwined with who we are 
but our story doesn't define us. Yes. That's beautiful. And if you, boom, mic drop right there. (laughs) Now, if you had any advice for people that maybe they are questioning, they're coming from a background similar to you. Maybe they're in a religious structure that doesn't promote sex positivity. What, what would you say to them? Like, how would you help them out and their first step of moving towards sex positivity? I would say, let's start looking at, let's just look and fantasize, look at your desires. What is it that you, if it wasn't wrong, (laughs) what would you maybe want to try? What would you like, what's your, and take it completely out of the realm as of this needs to happen. And I say this to my clients all the time. Like a lot of times we have a conversation and we think that the conversation is explorative, but actually the conversation is to come to a conclusion. And that robs us of a whole beautiful conversation of curiosity and exploration. Like what if, like, what if I was allowed to masturbate? What would that look like? And why would I enjoy that? I mean, that's how I had to start. Like masturbation was wrong mm-hmm. for me. I had to start at that, you know, like what if that wasn't wrong? What would I enjoy? Why did I enjoy that? Why did I have to hide that growing up? Why is that so shameful? Blah, 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 blah. And then I just got to explore that. I'm not asking someone for permission to do that. That's a whole different conversation, right? That's, we get to do like individual exploration and fantasize a little bit. So like my first step in my four, um, my four step method is a breaking free method, F-R-E-E. And so F stands for fantasize. Let's fantasize about like your perfect situation. What design might you like or whatever? If there was, if it wasn't wrong, if if everybody was in agreement on it, what would you actually want? What do you want to die? Uh, what what do you want to not die having not tried? I don't know. Did that come out right? <laughs> what do you want to do before you die? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You don't want to die before you've tried this one thing because that mm. would just be really nice if you could just do that. You know, like, do you want to go skydiving? Like, like, like that. Let's include all of that, right? Not just sex, but like that. The this this. Oh, you know what? I really always enjoyed flirting. This was me, right? I love to flirt, and I always am accused of flirting when that wasn't what I was doing. Like, I was really being. I was very committed in my marriage. I was very committed to um everything and and not having an affair i never had an affair i never went outside my marriage nothing like that but oh the idea of like getting to be me and like getting to like play fight so i started taking kung fu which you're gonna laugh at this right and i grappling i was like oh it's so fulfilling you know like grappling on the ground and being like I'm entwined with someone else. If there's an energy exchange, like it was so exciting to me. And it wasn't necessarily erotic, although it really could easily get to being erotic if you let it. But, um, but yes, I agree. There's very much erotic energy. Yeah, I was like, I love that. That's up my alley. Yep. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. But, but just like, I hadn't done anything like that for so long. So I allowed myself to just kind of play just in the realm of like, just getting to be me. What is it that I enjoy? What is it that I like? So anyways, one of the fantasies I had is like to get to flirt with someone and not get in trouble for that or not be like judged for that or 
people assuming that I didn't love my husband because that's mm. so wasn't true, you know? Um, so little things like that for me. And so as I let's listen to like, you know, swing with Michael and Holly learned more about, um, non-monogamy I was like why like why would people do this like why risk your marriage like why would you even consider this and what I was finding out is that people were just getting to freely be themselves without judgment and it was just unlocking all kinds of amazing things in their relationship and adding novelty so I always say like if you want an empowered relationship everybody's like it's about communication you have to communicate I'm like you can communicate till the cows come home but if you're not connected, if you don't feel safe and you don't have novelty in your relationship, try having any conversation. It's not going to work. You're just going to be resentful and frustrated with each other. And the root of that is shame. It always comes if, back to shame. Like shame It does. It does. Because if I'm ashamed of like, you know, okay, let's say I've done this discovery now of, of this fantasy discovery, okay? I'm like, hmm, let's just, let's just say masturbation, okay? It's like, I really, I think that would be really fun to do maybe mutual masturbation. Like where I get to watch you, you get to watch me. But if I have shame about that, I am not going to bring that up or I'm going to bring it up in a kind of a judgy way. I'm going to be like, you know, you never let me masturbate and that feels bad. <laughs> Let's it's also just say placing blame. Sounds yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm trying to mask my own shame. But if, if I've dealt with the shame, like, you know what, why is there anything wrong with masturbation? That's like my body is my pleasure. What is wrong with that? And so now I feel safe with myself and I can come to the table and say, Hey, I really have this interest in like masturbating. Cause I feel like I could learn a lot about my body and me learning about my body means I could communicate to you about my body. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm -hmm. That's a whole different conversation. That is a conversation without shame. I'm also not asking for permission. We're in an explorative conversation. So let's think of it as a bubble. So I say it to everyone, like have a curious conversation about anything. Like even if you're talking about like even non-monogamy, like do you ever think about kissing someone else? Like, would that would that be fun to you? Like, cause sometimes I think about that. I'm like, oh, that would be really fun. I wouldn't do it. Is that that's not on the list? Like, that's not. We don't have that agreement. But would it be fun? Like, let's just explore that. That's not a. I'd really like to kiss other people. And if if we can't do that, then we need to figure out, uh, you know, if our relationship's even going to work. That's like a. <gasps> conversation everybody's shut down we're not having this conversation now we're just gonna be like i'm not enough they want to kiss someone else because i'm not enough and they don't like me anymore the stories just take over because our back is up nobody feels safe mm. do you see what i'm saying so like we have to feel connected with ourselves and feel safe with ourselves first and our partners need to do the same so that when we communicate we are not communicating through shame now we can have a fun curious conversation within this bubble of like possibility and let's just fantasize about the possibility once we've kind of talked about that now we can have a different conversation saying okay so you know how that kind of turned you on or whatever like what do you think that might look like in real life now it's a different bubble of possibility but now it's like more close to like 
we can tr- what if we tried this together now what would that look like and then we try that on for size and then we could go to all right so what do you think should could we try that is that something that we like maybe could dip our toes in maybe we could get a coach to help us through that maybe a relationship designer could help us redesign our relationship if that's the case you know and i always tell people like you can jump into the water with both feet okay and you can jump out and you can actually dry them off yeah you know what that that's (laughs) there are things that like you can do try if you don't like it it's not up your alley come back but i think that there you really need to work on your trust this isn't something that people should do to try to like quote fix oh god no 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 like that is, you guys have to be fairly confident and come together. And that's why I think that your help, cause you can, you can help them with yeah. pitfalls that might show up like jealousy. Yeah. We've mentioned yeah. that, um, self-esteem might issues come up as well. And these are things mm-hmm. that you can help them work. And through. these are things that are normal. Like there's mm-hmm. no shame in having jealousy much to a lot of people's, um, they'll say, you know, oh, you can't, you can't be polyamorous and jealous. That's not right. And it's like, we're human and jealous. We just have to listen to what the jealousy is trying to tell us. Cause there's some, some need not being met. That's why we're feeling jealous. Mm. You know, like it doesn't mean we have to stop everything, but even like without ethical non-monogamy, cause I don't want get, I don't want people to get the idea. I can help you with that for sure. Absolutely. You know, like whether it's swinging you know, lifestyle open or polyamorous, like whatever spectrum you want. Do you want more connection with people? Do you want just a down to fuck kind of situation bucket list? Do you want to just fulfill fantasies with your partner, but zero emotional connection to others? Like all of that is possible. But beyond that, I think monogamy is beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know, mm-hmm. like there's nothing wrong with monogamy. What I don't want people to do is default to monogamy. I want you to consciously choose monogamy. Once you've seen all the other style, like in a designer, it's like you can go to a classic style. There is no judgment. Well, I even use my example for this. Like I was in a polyamorous situation, open relationship. And I, at the end of it, it wasn't really how the structure was. It wasn't really my favorite type. I went more actually on the more of the swinging, like arrive together, do things and leave together. But I mm-hmm. didn't want to have a multiple relationships anymore with multiple people because I really this is for me personally in my life that I wanted to build something really long term and like really kind of see how that went Mm -hmm. and I found that there was too many directions and I was like no I don't know this isn't really working for me and you can do that what you did like jump in and dry your feet off if it works but I still didn't close the doors to you know, swinging and things like that. Cause mm-hmm. you can still have your own flavor, but I think that people really need to see that you don't need to just stay in one thing because that's yeah. how you were raised. You're allowed to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that we're in a culture where it's like, if you change your mind, you're fickle, you're not trustworthy. Mm. That's bullshit. You know, like I consciously uncoupled from my husband. We consciously uncoupled together because we recognize that we actually want different things in life Mm -hmm. and that was okay. And when we told our kids, we have three kids, um, three adult kids, pretty much. We told them and they were like, Oh, I'm surprised you guys were together for so long. (laughs) That's such a funny response. Okay. They're like, Oh yeah, that makes more sense. Cause they recognized that it wasn't a good fit. We didn't fight all the time. We weren't 
at each other's throats. We didn't hate each other, but we weren't a great fit. And it was like working through that. That's not a failure because we're making conscious choices for our own growth and, and our joy and peace. And we're also teaching our children that you get to create the life that you want and it doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm. And, you know, like my parents are still together, but they hate each other some days. Like, but we celebrate that. And, and somehow I'm the failure because I didn't stay married forever. Like we got to change that instead of shaming me for it. How about celebrating how brave I was to switch gears, to start my own career, start my own business where I have put my heart and soul into what I do because I love people and I want people to be empowered and to have joy in their lives and be authentic and fuck those who think that that is wrong and that they are weak because of it. Because I'll tell you what, that took the most strength I've ever had to have to make those decisions. And I am so happy as a result of it. I am free to be me. I have an amazing partner who respects me and who I connect with and who I love. You've met him. The way he looks at me, it's like, you two are so cute. You two are so cute. (laughs) And I mean, like, we're not perfect. And like moving in together after six years, you know, is a challenge, but I wouldn't trade it because he's, he's my safe place. And even though I'm polyamorous and a swinger, like he's my person and I can, I can, we can create whatever dynamic we want. We can shift that. We used to live two hours apart. So our dynamic looked different because we had two weeks apart from each other and we had more time for other people, you know, in that. And now we've taken a bit more of a step back and it's like, we're more focused on us but I'm still polyamorous in my heart. I just don't have time to to invest full on in another relationship. I don't have that kind of time. I am trying to be a successful business person. And that takes a lot of energy because I, nobody else is doing my marketing. Nobody else is doing my business bookkeeping, all that. I mean, I'm doing everything, Mm -hmm. right? And so that takes a different energy. So, you know, my other partner is my work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, like seriously. right now, that's that's who I'm in love with is I have another partner. And that doesn't mean I can't have other experiences, but we get to change. The, I get to redesign again. I get to paint the walls a new color. Hey, there's a new trend that I like and I want to jump on. Maybe in a year, I'm not going to like that trend anymore, but I can repaint. Yes. I and- can buy new furniture. There's and zero speak- shame in that. Sorry. Yeah, you're talking about oh, no, right. going. No, no, oh, no, I was no, going to no. say, and where, in regards to this, where would people be able to find you? Do you have any programs that are coming up? Yeah, so I have an incredible program. It's an eight-week program called Breaking Free from Conformity, which like opens your eyes to everything I've been talking about. It's not about monogamy or non-monogamy. It's literally about breaking down the programming or being aware of the programming that we have been taught about relationships. I like to say everything we've been taught about marriage and relationships can destroy happily ever after. Oh, that's a good one. But yes, well, I would love to have you on the show. Is there anything that you want to end with or like really have our listeners understand where you're coming from and what they can know about you? 
and your message? I think, so I, definitely check out my podcast. It's called Breaking Free Authentically, the sex positive relationship podcast. And it's not like, it's a lifestyle podcast. It's a polyamory. It's an ethical non-monogamy podcast. It's also a monogamy podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's an everything podcast. It is simply a, a conscious podcast. It's about self-growth. It's about how to be sex positive in a non-sex positive world. It's about how we consciously choose things. It's about how we show up in our energy. There's woo-woo things. There's non-woo-woo things. There's sexual things. Episode 69, if you want to know a little bit more about me sexually. If you want to know about religion and leaving religion and, and what that looks like, episode 67 and 68 as a former pastor where he like was asked by his congregation, is polygamy allowed in the New Testament? Oh, wow. Okay. So like that's a two, that's two podcast episodes right there. There's everything on my podcast that you could possibly want to find out. Erotic blueprints, everything. I, I've interviewed monogamous coaches. The only thing is that they have to be sex positive. So there's a little bit of everything. And to me, it's about opening up who you are to actually be authentic and be yourself and and have zero shame about how you're showing up. So listen to the podcast if you're interested in that. It's not sex stories like a lot of lifestyle podcasts is what I'm getting at. All that to say that. Okay. Um, and the other thing is like, look up, I'll give you the links for my program. Um, but this eight-week program, I think people think it's about relationships. They come in and it's like, but it's actually for yourself. It's like life-shifting you get your birthright back is what what some of my former clients have said. And they're like, I thought I was going to like fix my relationship and I left knowing who I was and feeling so empowered as a person. Like I can take on the world and I can come back to my true essence without shame and guilt. It's just magical. And it it's the foundation I think for if you want to redesign your relationship, because the program after that is the relationship redesign. So we do that after you've done this. I think this is like foundational. Yes. And I think that's good to know. And I'll put all your Instagram links and everything there for our listeners to find you and your website as well. And they can reach out to you, ask you any questions. But yes, this was a great conversation. I'm really happy they came on the show. And until Thank next you. time, my listeners, you guys know what to do as usual. I'll see you on Wednesday and stay kinky.